next three weeks, we're going to be looking at focusing in on grazing in the pasture of this series that we're titling On a Mission. Can you turn to somebody next to you and say, On a Mission? On a Mission. On a Mission. And today's message, uh, I have the unenviable task, okay? Uh, I spent all week preparing this message uh, that is titled, From Fans to the Field. It is a football-themed analogy. And I was watching the game yesterday, and it dawned on me. No one wants to talk about football tomorrow. I was just, sorry. <laughs> I don't want to talk about football either. But it's the whole message, so I couldn't rewrite the entire thing just because of LSU, okay? We just, we need a special anointing on LSU, right? Okay, <laughs> so... The title of the message today is From Fans to the Field. Let's go ahead and pray and let's start off the message today. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, uh, for the mission that you've called us to impact the world around us, to make a difference in the world around us. And we thank you, Jesus, God, that you've counted us uh, as worthy. And, and God, you, God you, you would allow us to join in your mission to impact the world. Jesus, we just pray that today you'd open our eyes, that you'd speak to us. God, give us humble, teachable hearts this morning to hear what it is your word has to say. Bring us deeper in our relationship with you. We love you, Lord. And God, we just pray a a, a special, fresh, new anointing on Miles Brennan and the LSU defense as they continue out this year. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Amen. We need some revival in Bo Pelini's office this week. Okay, anyways. So, the message is called From Fans to the Field. From Fans to the Field. And growing up in Louisiana as a Louisiana boy, how many of you know that I was in purple and gold from the time that I can even remember, right? Everybody, anybody, do we have any LSU fans still in here this morning? Any, still? Yeah, there we go. That's right. Win or lose, right? Win or lose. It's been 22 months since LSU lost a football game in 22 months since a preacher had to preach the next day after LSU lost a football game. So, but I was, I've been an LSU fan and like, you know, again, we, we kind of know that LSU, that fans we're we go a little bit crazy sometimes, right? We're, we're serious. And, but I think, and I'm picking on fans, I'm picking on myself today because I'm, I'm a big LSU fan, right? I mean, you guys know my wife, Jennifer and I, before we started dating, one of the, the big ways that we, you know, knew of each other and were friends was I, at the LSU football games, I was a part of the group of guys that would paint up our chests and everything for the game. And Jennifer was part of the group that painted us, okay? So that was, we're big LSU fans, okay? Crazy. I, I was the crazy people back in college, okay? But how many of you guys know that the, the experience that the fans have is a little bit different from the experience that the team has? Can we, can we just kind of dive into that for a little bit this morning? So the fans, I think we would all say that we share the mission of the team. Like, we have the same mission. We want to see LSU win a national championship every year. That's, that, is, that is our mission, right? And we share the mission of the team. That's the team's mission. That's our mission. That's right. But the experience is a little different for the fans than the team. So say the week leading up to game day, we've got the team. What do they do in the week leading up to game day? They're putting in the work, right? They're, they're lifting weights. They're, they're running laps until they puke. There's blood, sweat, and tears. They're just, they're working, they're working, they're working. 
and the fans. The week leading up to game day, we might read some articles on ESPN. We might look up, you know, get ready for the tailgate, look up the recipe of that buffalo chicken dip, you know. Serious work, right? Serious work. And if we're feeling especially spirited, we might get into a Facebook argument with an Alabama fan, right? It's serious work, this mission that we're working on, yeah? And, and, and let's say, when we get to game day, okay, the team, they're, they're doing that last-minute cram, studying the, uh, the opponent's game plan, and they're actually getting out on the field, doing the stretches and doing the runs, and they're smashing up against the other team, and they're jumping as high as they can jump, running as fast as they can run, getting their face smashed into the ground by a 250-pound linebacker. And on game day, what do the fans do? We put on our jerseys too, right? (laughs) We eat the buffalo chicken dip that we Googled the recipe to, right? We watch the team get their face smashed into the ground by the 250-pound linebacker. And week after week after week, and it gets to the end of the season, last season, when LSU, the team, lifts up the trophy. What do all of us fans say? We did it. did it honey we did it there's joe burrow and me we did it we did it at the end of the day and again i'm picking on all of us fans at the end of the day what impact did the fans actually have on the mission of winning the championship not much because the main difference is that There's the fans on the sideline, and the team is on the field. That's the main difference between the fans and the team, is that the fans are on the sideline, but the team is on the field. I didn't have much of an impact on LSU's season last year, because I wasn't on the field. But what if I told you that you had the opportunity to be on the field, and to make a difference, and to make an impact. See, the championship meant something to us fans. But how many of you guys were touched last year as LSU fans seeing how much it meant to the team when they won? It was a whole nother level. You know, when you saw Joe Burrow crying, getting the Heisman Trophy, you know, it was, It was because he was on the field making a difference. It meant something to us, but it meant something totally different to them because they were on the field actually making an impact. Now, the goal of the message today is for us to look at what God's mission is for us. As his people, what is God's mission for us? And to shift, if we haven't already, from fans to the field. Turn to somebody next to you and say, let's get on the field. Our goal today is go from fans to the field, to go from enjoyment to impact. That is what the goal of the message is today, to truly get to a point where we are truly living on a mission. Living on the mission that God has for his people. Look, Webster defines a mission as this. It's a specific task with which a person or a group is charged. It's their responsibility. It's what they are called to do. It's the specific thing. So when we say 
about living on a mission, about being on a mission, this focus that we have for these next three weeks about being on a mission, truly living on a mission means to live in a way that reflects what we say that our mission is. To live in a way that shows obviously and plainly what our goal is in life. We can say, someone can say that their goal is to win a national championship. But if the only workouts they do is the Twinkie curl to the mouth and they don't ever work out, they're not going to win anything, right? If all you eat is Twinkies and you never work out, the only thing you're going to win is an appointment with your cardiologist. That's it. That's it. So our mission as God's people, I want to encourage you in this. Our mission as God's people is so much better than winning a national championship. Because how many of you guys know who won the national championship in 1985? Nobody knows. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. But God's mission is eternal. God's mission for you and for me is eternal. It's lasting. It's incredible. And if we truly want to live on a mission to go from fans to the field, to go from enjoyment to impact... There's three things I want us to really, truly key in on today. And the first one is this, is that we have free access to the greatest mission. Like, some of us as LSU fans would be like, I, there's no way I could get on the field. Because I know I couldn't have an impact. Because I know I couldn't run with them. I know I couldn't jump with them. I know I couldn't do that. But since the beginning of mankind, God has had a mission For all of us, every single person that he has ever created, he has had a mission since the beginning of creation. And it's it's been progressively and progressively revealed until literally from the mouth of Jesus, God's specific task, the mission, comes straight from the mouth of Jesus. In the beginning, in the garden, how many of you guys know what the very first commandment was that God ever gave to mankind? Anybody know what the first commandment is that God ever gave to mankind? It was to be fruitful and multiply. All the married people say amen, okay, right? To spread, to spread God's people and God's kingdom across the face of the earth. Then later in Genesis, it comes to Abraham. And what does he say to Abraham? He says that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to, through you, I'm going to bless all the peoples of the earth. Do y'all see from the beginning what God's plan is for mankind is to spread his influence, to spread his kingdom, to spread his love, to spread his joy all over the face of the earth until through Abraham came the people of Israel and through Israel came the one promised Messiah, the chosen one, Jesus, who was to bring salvation and forgiveness of sin to the entire world. To bring hope, to bring love, to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring new life to every single person on the face of the planet. How many of y'all know we've got access to the greatest mission? And it wasn't just something for Jesus to do. Literally the last thing that he said before he was done on earth and went up into heaven was Matthew 28, 19 through 20. What did he say? He said, therefore, go. He didn't say, sit on the sidelines. What did he say? Get on the field. Go and make disciples. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, when you go and you share the good news of the gospel with people, when you walk out your mission, they're going to be made new. He's, he's not saying, go and maybe you'll make disciples. He's saying, when you go, you're going to make disciples. If you would go, you're going to make disciples. When you go, you're going to, what did he want from the beginning of creation? Spread his kingdom throughout the earth. Spread his influence, his love, his hope. Because it's not about just changing people's minds. It's about saving people's lives. The name Jesus means God saves. Man, God wants us to be on a mission, on the field, spreading his kingdom throughout the earth. This is the equivalent of yesterday when LSU was down, if Coach O just looked through the TV screen and says, hey, I need you on the field. This is the God who created you, the God who created your neighbor, the God who created the entire world saying, go, you, not, not just this person, not just this person who we say, oh, they're anointed or all oh, the, no, you, everybody, we're all anointed. That's what this is. That's what Jesus is saying. Every single one of us. We don't have to be on the, we don't have to stay on the sidelines. And the best thing is we get to get off of the sidelines. And this is the second point I want us to look at. Is if we're not living on a mission, we're missing out. It's not just a a charge and a commandment to us, and if we disobey, then we are under the curse. That's not what it is. If you're not doing it, you are not living out the best life that God has for you. If you're not living on a mission, you're missing out. Anybody ever been on a mission trip before, or you know, been to another country, or been on like a serve day, or things like that? I'm I'm not picking on people because I've said it too. But after, I've been on my fair share of mission trips now at this point. Haiti, Cuba, Mexico, all that. And, and I'm going to tell you, after every single one, you're going to hear at least one person say something along these lines. I, I, I promise, I've heard it every single time. They'll say, you know, we went, we went to bless those people. But I, I think I got more of a blessing out of it. And again, I'm not, I'm not being facetious. I'm not picking on these people, but they're illustrating the truth of what God has told us in his word. I, I know we went to, 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 to help them out. I know we went to make a difference, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm the one who's leaving changed. I'm the one who's leaving full. I'm the one who's leaving blessed. And we, it shouldn't surprise us because all throughout the scripture, God has shown us that we are made to make a difference. You were made for the mission. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you're made for the mission. You're made for the mission. We are made for the mission. Look at what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says. One of my absolute favorite verses. This is Paul talking. And he says, we are God's handiwork. Another translation says, we're his masterpiece. We are God's handiwork. His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Not to watch a certain few do the work and cheer them on, but to do good works, which God has created, prepared in advance for us to do. It says before you were created, God had a specific way for you to carry out his mission. And he's just sitting there waiting, saying, go, go, get on the field. Get on the field, every single one of us. 
And look, in no uncertain terms, Paul says it later on in the same letter. Look at in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, by God's grace, the word grace means his, his gift. By God's gift and mighty power, I have been given, what is this word? The privilege. I've been given the commandment? No. I've been given the responsibility? No. Man, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this gospel message of God's salvation. I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. How many of you guys know that out there today, there's some bad news? On the left and on the right, there's some bad news. You watch the news for more than 10 seconds, you get drained, right? Is that just me? You get drained watching the news. But I'm going to encourage you in something this morning. The news that you have is everything your neighbor needs. Have you ever thought about that before? If if your neighbor is, is going through some chaos, we've got the God of peace. If your neighbor is feeling lonely and unloved, we've got the God who is love. If your neighbor is feeling distressed and burnt out and depressed, we've got the God of hope. The news that we have is everything that our neighbors need, that the people around us need. We've got the good news, and it is a privilege that we get to get on the field and spread his influence throughout the world. We get to do this. We get to do this. Have you guys ever heard of... uh, the, the, the hierarchy, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is this psychological project that they did way back in the day. And basically, they, 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 they make a pyramid of the needs of the, the human experience, the human mind, the human heart, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, at the bottom, you've got the, the basic needs like um, food and water, um, you know, shelter and all that stuff. And then it says, once you have accomplished or you fulfilled those, you know, the, the, the basic needs, then you can move on to thinking about maybe the next level, the higher needs of, you know, now that I've got food and water and shelter, now I can look at maybe finding a job and, and taking care of security and insurance for the future. And then once you've taken care of that, then you can get on to, you know, some different and higher and higher. And at the beginning when they first made this hierarchy of needs, they said the very highest thing that you can do, the deepest need that you can fulfill is to find your purpose in life to find it, to figure out what your purpose is. And apparently, after like 20 years, they were like, no, that's not the highest thing. Because people would figure out what their purpose is, but then they would still not feel fulfilled. So then like 20 years later, they, they edited it, they changed it, they made a few more things, until now, what they put at the top of the pyramid is not just finding what your purpose is, but using your purpose, and let me... See how they quoted it. They said this. They called it self-transcendence, which means to transcend yourself, to transcend your own wants and your own needs, to use the purpose that you found down low here that we used to think was the highest. And now we say the highest is to use your purpose in a way that you put your own needs aside to serve somebody or something greater than yourself. The scientists, the social scientists figured this out. They published it in this brand new discovery. They put it out. They patted themselves on the back. And all the Jews and Christians who've been reading the Bible be like, that's not new. 
We've been reading that for a few thousand years, you know. You could have saved yourself a few research dollars and just read the Bible. Look at what, look at what Proverbs 11.25 says. This is from the Old Testament from thousands of years ago. Solomon says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Whoever serves and makes an impact on the field of life of the people around them, man, it's going to make an impact on you. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And I'm going to tell you, when I was studying this, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to read out all the verses to them uh, that, that illustrate this point. And I'm going to tell you, I can't do it. I don't have enough time this morning to get to all the messages that illustrate this point that the social scientists have newly discovered. That this is the, the deep, when you've, when you've met all the other needs, this thing is still going to be there. Do y'all understand? That's what they say. We've studied people and they can have, you know, the nicest clothes. They can, they can be living in the nicest house. They can have all these needs met, but still somewhere in their heart, they're going to say, I need to serve something greater than myself. It's the deepest need of the human heart. And God says it to us. Look in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others. As good managers of the varied grace, again, the gifts of God. Jesus, literally from the mouth of Jesus, we read it in Matthew 28. He says it in the book of John, too, at the Last Supper. He's telling his disciples all about what his mission is for them. How they're to make disciples. How when we make disciples, when we share the good news to people, that it is to God's glory. He's telling them, look, go. He even says, the same way that God sent me into the world, I'm sending you into the world. And look at what he says in the middle of all this talk about the mission, in the middle of all this talk about making disciples. Look at what Jesus says in John 15, 11. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. And look at what he said thousands of years before these brilliant social scientists. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Somebody say that word like you mean it, complete. I'm going to tell you something. Some of us in 2020 feel a little bit of incompleteness. And it's totally natural and normal from time to time to feel like something's missing. Like there's some incompleteness. And I'm going to tell you something, Jesus, the God who created you, who knows everything about you, who knows how many breaths you've taken today, who knows every hair on you, who knows everything about you, who knows every detail, says to you that I want you to have some joy. And the way for it to be complete is for you to go from fan to the field, to go from enjoyment to impact, to go to to. To go and make disciples. In this way, your joy will be complete. And I think the best way for us to take that first step, to have the proper motivation to take that step, or if we've already taken that step, to have the proper motivation to keep going that direction, is to realize this, this last point, and that's this. Jesus went on a mission for us. Another preacher says it this way, that, you know, the same way that Jonah was called to the people of Nineveh and he he, he was swallowed up in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, he says that Jesus is the true and better Jonah who didn't have to be captured to be sent to us. 
He didn't have to go in the belly of the whale. Instead, he chose to go into the grave for three days and three nights for us. The word mission comes from the Latin word missio, which literally means to be sent. Jesus says, the same way God has given me a mission, I now give you a mission. The same way that God sent me into the world, I'm now sending you into the world. Not, not just, not, not just a, a certain few, but my whole church. Every single one of my children, I'm sending into the world. One of my favorite um, lines from literature comes from a book uh, called The Count of Monte Cristo. If you guys have read it, it's about this, um, it's about this normal everyday guy who, who gets falsely accused and he's actually sent to a dungeon, to a prison. And he's filled with bitterness. He's filled with hatred of all the, the people who double-crossed him and all this stuff. But while he's in prison, he comes across this, this devout Christian monk who teaches him all these amazing things, who teaches them all this stuff and kind of points him the way that he should live his life. And one of the last things that he tells him and charges him, the mission that he gives him, he says that, he's, he tells him to not take vengeance against the people around him. He's like, look, God, God will have his vengeance. God will take care. And this is what he says. The main character says, I don't believe in God. And the monk turns to him and says, that doesn't matter. God believes in you. And to me, that's such a beautiful picture of the gospel message. That when we didn't believe in God, he still believed in us. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. We should go out on our mission because Jesus first went on a mission for you and for me. Paul says it the best in Philippians chapter 2. He says this, in your relationships with one another, in this world, in the field of life, with your influence, this is how the mindset that you should have, the attitude that you should have, the mission that you should have is this. Christ Jesus, even though he was God, he didn't consider that status as God, that equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Another translation says, something to just hold on to. It says, instead, he let go of that status. He let go of that equality. And instead, he made himself nothing. Coming from heaven to earth. Taking the very nature of a servant being found in human likeness and be found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You guys see the mission that God has had from the beginning of time, the salvation of the world, to be spread, not, not just by educated teachers and you know, the certain social class, but by everyone. The first witnesses that told the world of Jesus' resurrection were women, which in those times, that they wouldn't even accept a woman's testimony in court because they said it was so untrustworthy. But yet God said, it doesn't matter how trustworthy the world thinks you are. It doesn't matter how gifted you think you are. It doesn't matter if you think whether or not people will listen to you. It's your mission. I'm sending you into the world. I'm sending you into the world. John 3, 16 and 17, Jesus says this. He says, God, this is how God loved the world. He gave, he sent his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him 
will not perish, but have eternal life. We're not going about changing minds. We're going about saving people's lives. It's the mission we've been called to. And God sent, he sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And the same way that God sent Jesus into the world, he said to us, his disciples, I'm now sending you into the world. I'm now sending you into the world. Shifting from fan to the field. Shifting from enjoyment to impact. Shifting to this mindset of living on a mission. It's more than just serving, uh, signing up for serve day. Although it's an amazing thing and I think you should do that today. It's more than just that. It's more than just signing up for the dream team. It is truly living out God's mission for us every day in the workplace, in our home, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family, with everybody. God has called us to spread his influence, to spread his love, to spread his joy, to spread his peace. The best way to start out that, that walk, to go from fan to the field, is to accept what Jesus has done for us. How can we spread the good news if we, don't, if we haven't experienced the good news? And the good news is this, is that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, the ungodly. We're not the holy calling out the sinners. We're, we're the sinners calling out the fellow sinners. We're the ones who have already gotten saved out of the, the ocean. We're on the life raft calling the other ones out of the, out of the ocean. And this morning, what the words of Jesus say in John 3.16 is if we want to have that life and we want to be saved, it's as simple as just believing in him. I saying, God, I don't believe in myself anymore. I'm going to humble myself the way you humbled yourself. I'm going to see the love that you had, and I'm going to love you right back. I'm going to give my life to you the same way you gave your life for me. And so as we close out today, I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you this morning and you want to accept God's gift of the good news of salvation, if you want to truly begin to, have, to experience the forgiveness to experience the new life. It's as simple as just asking. It's as simple as just accepting. If that's you this morning, I want your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Nobody looking around. You can raise your hand wherever you're. If that's you and you want to pray that prayer, go ahead and raise your hand this morning. That's awesome. Anybody too online, if you want to, to start with the pastor chat, prayer request, let somebody know there. What I want to do is I want to go ahead and pray. I'm going to ask all of us in here to pray this prayer out loud with those who raise their hands. And again, we're not leaving anybody out. We're not trying to single anybody out. This is between you and God. And so I want to go ahead and pray this prayer. And at the end, I want to pray a prayer for all of us as a church. As we go into this season focusing in on the impact that we make. If, if that was you and you want to raise, if you raise your hand, you want to pray for salvation, I want to ask everybody, go ahead and pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for coming to earth for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. While I was a sinner, to give me forgiveness, and to give me new life. God, I accept your sacrifice. 
give you my life the same way you gave your life for me. I thank you for the new life that you offer me. And I thank you that I'm made new and made whole. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer this morning? Best decision of your life. And church family, I want to go ahead and pray for us also as we're moving into this season of serving and focusing in just a fresh anointing on us as truly every member is a minister as we go into this time. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we, I just thank you for every person under the sound of my voice in this room, watching in online. I thank you, God, that you have called us, that you have sent us. God, that we get the privilege of sharing your good news on the earth. God, that through us in some small way, God, you can use us to make a difference in the lives of those around us. God, I pray that you would give us boldness to speak to those around us. I pray that you would give us fresh anointing. I pray that, God, you would use our words. You would use the way we live our lives. You would use us to be an example for those around us in speech, in faith, in purity, in everything we do, God. Let us realize that our mission is not just on Sunday mornings, but, God, our mission is every day, every minute, every second to reach those around us with the good news of the saving gospel of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We put our faith in you, and we can't wait to see what you're going to do in this season of our church. We love you, and we praise you, and we pray all this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Can everybody say a good amen this morning? Amen, amen.